0: TNT or GTFO, guys. <laughs> oh, that's the first time it's happened,
1: <laughs> guys. Let's be real. This is our take two. Uh, I accidentally deleted the first recording, so yeah, we're back and we're just as excited as the first time. Let's For go, the baby. Record,
0: we've never had to do that. Yeah, sorry. It's before. been
1: it's been a minute. Um, as we had discussed on the last five minutes, <laughs> we have been really diving deep into some loons. Since our last episode
0: True Villains
1: (laughs) Uh, Jamie and I were abroad Since the last episode for our honeymoon We hit Iceland in ireland and read some vineland so
2: i would like to clarify that i didn't actually read any of vineland in either of those countries (laughs)
1: that's okay i did so i covered for both of us let's go
2: i don't think that i i don't think i did
1: but you saw it happen
2: i watched you do it It was around i considered
0: listening to the audiobook while we were there (laughs) i I like i just i thought about it it passed my (laughs) mind it counts did you read uh, other oh no that's for other corners Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. For that's corner. for a different corner. That's sorry. true. This is update corner. But yeah,
1: we uh, we we've, we've been gone, so there has been a bit of a delay between last episode and now. But we are officially back, having a good time, and we're going to be talking about what we are drinking.
0: I'm drinking a Boulevard. What I drank last time, a cucumber lime gin and tonic fling, craft cocktail. Nice from Boulevard Brewing Company. It's delicious as it was last time,
1: and continues Jin Chan, as it did last time. It's a good theme. It is a good theme. This is the last one. I hope Pinch everybody. Pinch. I hope everybody's was it was subpar- so excited for Jinlin another <laughs> Jin Chan episode. Pine Jin. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Pinchon. Uh, sorry, Jin Chan <laughs> ends here. Uh, I'm Brian, and I'm drinking a Guinness. Went on about quite a long story before uh, that last uh, little bit got cut out, but we did visit the Guinness Brewery. Uh, long story short, Guinness tastes better in Dublin, and they said don't drink it out of a bottle, and that is exactly what I'm doing right now. So, my bad, Guinness. Arthur, right? Yeah, I feel Arthur like I've affronted Arthur Guinness, but uh, that's okay. There's time to redeem. There's always taps flown with Guinness around the world and that's what I'm drinking tonight.
2: Yeah. I I'm Jamie. Um I'm also drinking Guinness. I've almost finished mine. Yeah, I'm almost
1: yeah, done That's with where my, we're at. Sorry, uh,
0: guys. I'm almost done with my Guinness <laughs> Because
2: <gin and> <laughs> a lot happened, and then Brian deleted the recording. Hit a quick um, space bar and just deleted it. A little space everything. bar. So, <laughs> it was a little more
1: complicated than that, but... Uh, you tried harder re- to delete it? Regardless, it, it still happened. The infamous
2: <laughs> last five minutes of the pod. Yeah. It was so long. Was it was juicy. It was such good content. It was content. very juicy. I know. But, um, yeah, I'm also having a Guinness... That's that's it. It's
0: it's Ginchan Genius. Oh man, <laughs> we
1: are getting so derivative on this name.
0: <laughs> Everyone has stopped. If you're still listening, <laughs> we're going to talk about the book soon.
1: Eventually, yeah. Um but <laughs> since we've been gone, uh there has been an extensive amount of time to catch up on some media. So we're going to go around and talk about uh some of the media we've been con- consuming since last episode.
0: This is Danny I read, uh, Jamie and I went to the lake this last weekend, and I read <coughs> um, a French murder mystery called The Mystery of the Lost Cézanne, uh, and it was pretty cheesy, but I liked that it takes place in the south of France, um, and it Do you was, recognize
1: it from... Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So
0: I got to spend three weeks there um, after my freshman year of college, and uh, I really liked... The, the author lives there, and she references like all of the streets and the bars, and... Like a famous bakery um, and other things that like X is famous for, and so it was fun to read places that I like very much recognize and like even have been. Mm-hmm. Um, she splits her time between X and Paris. Her name is M. L. Longworth, um, and it was fine. I there are four others in the series that follows this um, magistrate judge in the small town of X, um, and they're all kind of just like. South, like Southern France, like beachy kind of novels. Um, so I read A that classic this weekend.
2: A
1: subgenre.
0: <laughs> it, I mean, it's
1: Southern beachy. As French. we
0: talked about during the cut part, uh, <laughs> not as good as British crime novels. Um, but it was it was a good Lake read.
1: Is that an international hot take? Like, is somebody going to hear that and be offended? Like, does, I so, does doubt somebody it. does somebody really go at bat for I, French mystery?
0: I don't think so. I'm calling okay. it that because it takes place in France and she's French. Yeah, but I mean,
1: that counts. I'm just saying. Do you think somebody's really at bat for like, hey, yo, French I, murder mystery? That's
0: I think that's because the good of, of, of everyone Arthur Conan Doyle and, Sh- and uh, Agatha, Agatha Christie, that
1: they've really shut the game down.
0: Yeah, I think that Christy has sold more books than literally anyone. Yeah. Like that's a real fact. Yeah, respect. She's such a goat that like <laughs> I don't think you can argue with that. They kind that's of fair. the Brits have kind of monopolized the crime drama. Um maybe that's a hot I don't think that's a hot take. I don't know. I don't think that's we it will is. see. Well, we sh- comment below. <laughs> yeah. Um So I read that book and it took me like five minutes and it was great. I um, have been. It was a nice contrast to Vineland, which has taken me approximately 77 years to get through. Approximately. (laughs) Um, And I also read um, A Room with a View. No, not A Room with a View. A Room of One's Own. (laughs) And that was lovely and was written in like a very long time ago and is still so relevant that it could have been written yesterday in The New Yorker. Um, it's pretty short, isn't it? Yeah it's 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 a sh- it's like a collection like of a, well it's like a it's it's in story form but it was kind of like a collection of her like thoughts I think mm, that's cool. Um,
1: I've never read any of Virginia Wolf.
0: I would recommend this one as your first one because it's short and easy to get through. You I mean. know
1: what's interesting is I've had I think three different books of hers recommended as like that should be the first.
0: I mean, I haven't read any of her other ones, but he I think knowing you and knowing
2: that you like Pinchon, and knowing that we just read that, and how his style is, you would prefer Mrs. Dalloway.
1: It is. Oh, I think it is an audiobook available on Audible. Which I, I don't means. know that
2: you should listen to oh, Mrs. Really? Dalloway. Really? No, I think you should read it.
1: All right, fair enough.
2: Because I I you should still read. Yeah, a room of ones. It's own. short. There's going to be like it. two pages that are the same sentence, like. Like like one sentence? One sentence. Oh, I like love you open that. This, on my commute, just like indoctrination. And just not, I don't think no. that you would hear oh, it I'm down for in it. an audiobook.
0: Like, I don't think you'd recognize the style yeah, as much.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's cool. Room
0: yeah. one <clears throat> Um, And then I read, or no, I watched um, Barry on HBO, um, per right. your guys' very aggressive recommendation, which I loved. Which
1: it was worth it, um, I'm assuming.
0: Oh yeah, no, I totally was. Fair. Hell yeah. When I when I was Bryce or no, Brian and I were talking to a colleague about this show and I said that I didn't think that it was as stressful as Breaking Bad, but then I and finished I went it. at
1: bat for that. I Brian was like, Brian yes, was definitely it is.
0: like, it definitely is. And I was like, Well, I mean it's you know, it's stressful and it's a lot, but then I got to the end of the second season and I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, I was very my heart rate was it was a lot. <laughs> um and I liked it. So Nice. That's been my media.
1: Cool yeah since uh, since I've been gone, I miraculously have watched well, I watched four movies total on like all of the plane rides, but also since the last episode, I've also watched like multiple documentaries because I had that weekend where I watched like three music documentaries. So I watched the Bob Dylan uh, documentary that's new on Netflix. I watched the John Lennon documentary on the Imagine album. Both of them are great. I think I prefer the John Lennon one a little bit more. Uh, and I also watched a football club Barcelona documentary over the last weekend. So, yeah, a few documentaries, few regular movies, a lot of them Oscar uh, nominees, because that just happens to be what planes do. They, like, marked it specifically on mm-hmm. the plane. It was like, this was Oscar nominated. Um, but I will say the best of that bunch, Isle of Dogs. Freaking love that movie. It was so good. We both watched it separately.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. So, uh That was pretty nice to catch up on some movies because I'm not really a movie guy. And so I feel a little bit more whole over there. And then also I picked up um, Dubliners and started reading it right before I left Dublin. And I'm in the middle of that right now and I'm really enjoying it. I was super surprised because uh, James Joyce often gets talked about because of the difficulty of his work. But this is not difficult at all. It's, yeah, it's really let, nice.
2: Yeah, don't let that fool you. No, no, no.
1: It's there's still a lot to them. <laughs> yeah, but like they're very pleasant to read. Like they yeah, follow somebody's that's because life it's very so briefly early in his career. Yeah, I I dig it though. I think it's cool, and like I do see some of the like things that make it a little bit more um, deep, I suppose. Especially at the end of a lot of the stories, it's really interesting that like the characters somehow have some like dramatic change of mood mm-hmm. or something like all of a sudden when things seem to be going okay for a character, like all of a sudden the last sentence will reveal re- reveal that they're pissed because of like what happened over the last 10 pages. And it's like, it's just cool to see uh, those surprise endings cause he finds different ways to do it every time. Um, but yeah, it's just really nice and it's nice to recognize different landmarks. Um, from being there, so that's been cool. And then I have a couple Icelandic books to uh, dive into soon enough. So I'll probably talk about those later.
2: Um, I I don't know what have I been doing. I don't know. I when when our last podcast was a long time ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's
1: almost a month, I think.
2: Yeah, I went to Long Beach in that time. I think. I think that mm-hmm. I think that's true. was after it. And um, I was there for an AP training for a new class that I'm teaching. So I was reading a lot of different things to plan for my new class. Um, and I was actually thinking about teaching a room of one's own or at least part of it for one of my units. So I was like I was skimming a lot of things like that, like classic literature and short stories that I could use to create my class for myself and that was a very stressful but fun week of a lot of media consumption um because the class is based on research um other than that i also watched isle of dogs on the airplane i was going to talk about that i knew brian was going to steal it from me um (laughs) but it's really good it's wes anderson and it's great uh it's claymation and it made me cry um
1: his claymation is really good because he's so also good. done Fantastic Mr. Fox, which yeah. I also watched oh, on yeah. an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but like it, it's just very similar cinematography to his regular stuff. Like but it's not na- it's clay. nice that he does it, though, yeah. like the effort's still there to line up the shots that nicely.
2: Yeah. Um. What else? Brian and I are watching season three of Stranger Things right now. Oh, yeah.
1: I watched uh, that, too. Cinematography, speaking of. the Cinematography in this <laughs> oh, season holy is shit. crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. It's good. I finished it last week. It's like I don't know how many episodes there are, so I don't know how far we are. We're like, half, we're like halfway. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, have you noticed, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm just imagining this because it's been a while since we've watched it. Like, do you think the cinematography is better? Like, I think it's crazy.
0: Better than the first two seasons. Yeah. I don't notice things like that. Oh man! I, I think it was always good. I think it was always good. I think like it got have, better. Then. I would have yeah. said it was always good. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Have noticed if it got. I better I think their
2: style has stayed the same, but they have yeah. gotten better equipment. I think so like, too.
1: Where they probably got a ton of funding. Yeah. Yeah. That's like their biggest show. They broke records. Yeah. Netflix. Had I think released. I still
0: enjoyed the second season better than any of them. Mm. I really? like season two better. I'm liking season three a lot. I like I'm season i I'm not like three.
1: a I'm not like a Stranger Things super fan or anything, but like I'm enjoying the season quite a bit. And like I said, I think the production values have raised a lot, and I enjoy that a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, have I done anything else? I don't know. I haven't really read anything other than Vineland <coughs> like consistently. So that's probably it for me.
1: Nice. Those are the adventures. And now we are back into the infamous vineland by Thomas Pynchon
0: nice uh. no groans this time dope
1: no. we are uh we're officially getting a little more confident I think so we are on Speak okay for <laughs> yeah. faces all are. right <laughs> um I'm actually pretty excited to uh talk about this section uh. Despite the protestations from both of you, I think that there are some interesting things to cover. Um, so
0: just. I just need you to find them for me uh, yeah for sure for sure
1: <laughs> easy task not a problem okay. violent by Thomas stuff. Uh, my voice cracks in the middle <laughs> easy.
0: Okay. yeah, it's no, fine. It's fine. Oh, no, no problem. I'm so confident uh,
1: one of the interesting things that Danny was saying before this too which I think is funny is that like there's not a lot of violent material on the internet so like by virtue of that we're probably going to be easy to find online and so like we're going to be one of the premier violent sources on the internet so we apologize does this
0: count as a primary source we apologize in advance don't trust anything we said um maybe brian but uh,
1: maybe maybe i'll
0: just throw a few hot takes in there for somebody who wants to do an edgy research paper i (laughs) will just say part of it is
1: more difficult because we had a gap this is like a hard book to have a gap with i'm i i'm presuming especially
0: because the last chapter we read was eight hundred thousand pages long yeah i i listened to the audiobook and oh, I interesting like, fact! Interesting fact. I
2: listened to the audiobook for most of the second half of this book because I couldn't read it. Um, but they split up like the last chapter of this book. Technically, I think is chapter like fifteen, mm-hmm. if they're not numbered. But I think there are about fifteen chapters. But in the audiobook, because it's this book is so complicated, they split it up into like twenty-seven
0: chapters. Respect. Um, so they're, they're making it a little easy. It made it super hard when I was trying to find the, where the parallel place in the, place book. In the yeah.
1: book. Well, I bet some of them are like where it's naturally split in the chapter anyway, because he has some of those, too. But regardless,
0: <laughs> the, well. the one before the, la- the one before our second half, the, the 60 page chapter before the second half also was split in half um, or I don't even know in half. It was just split into two chapters. Yeah. And it's just like a random indented paragraph. Like yeah, and it doesn't even feel, I I would argue that
2: none of these chapters feel like they need to be new chapters. It all flows together. Nothing makes well, sense. Especially
0: to me. because I, every, don't, I disagree. I feel like I was actually thinking that when I was finishing the book. I feel like every chapter, or every section of the book, could have just been one. Like it didn't. They felt arbitrary to me. Yeah, they felt because arbitrary of how to many me. chapter, how many. Uh, how long the chapters were, I was just like, you could either put a chapter break in here every other paragraph, or you could put none. Yeah. Because I
2: fair. felt like there were chapters where there were uh, towards the beginning I think there were chapters that was like, okay, this was almost like a short story. Like we're focusing on this character now. But especially in the second half, there were chapters where it was like the first half is in this time period mm-hmm. and it's focused on this person. And then the second half of the same chapter suddenly goes to a totally unrelated person in a different time period. But they do
1: transition through some, like, natural thing happening within the chapter. But regardless, before we get too deep into it, let's do a quick summary.
0: Oh, please do. Let's
1: talk about where where we were and, and where we're going. So, uh, in the first half, we got introduced to a lot of the main characters. Some of them had not appeared in a very significant amount of time. Like, we were talking at the end of the last episode that Zoid was just, like not there since the beginning.
0: Yeah, I was concerned Zoid was never going to come back. So
1: so Zoid definitely came back, which, good thing. I mean, he's he's part of the deal. Uh, we also were learning about Furnessi, got a little bit more information about her as well. Uh, Brock, Prairie, like, they all got fleshed out quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the last section, those were kind of, uh, I think one of the big things was, like, where's Zoid? Uh, but as we get into the next part, we started to learn about... Um, the College of Surf, uh, and this was important because it was a flashback into Frenesi being part of the 24 FPS or 24 frames per second uh, film collective, and she starts to uh, get a little bit deeper into her involvement with Brock Vond, which ultimately leads to the death of an unintentional leader of the People's Republic of Rock and Roll, PR3 Weed Atman. Uh, so that happens pretty early on in this section. Uh, it, it's a big buildup. It's a pretty significant part, but I think it, it's a big deal because it starts to explain why Furnessies in uh, witness protection. Mm-hmm. This was the the place that that stemmed from. Uh, as we go on, there is a lot of continued comparison with. 60s and the 80s. I think that that is something that kind of threads its way throughout uh, the entirety of the back half as it was explored a bit in the first half. But there was a lot more in this instance. And one of the interesting parts about that is with the funding uh, that's going down. uh, You know, that's the reason that is no longer protected. and eventually toward the end of the novel, it's the reason Brock Vond ultimately doesn't get his way because he runs out of funding due to the Reagan administration. Uh, so that had also happened in the back half. and then a few other significant flashbacks that we got. This was a very flashback heavy uh, part of the book. We kind of worked our way backwards from the first half. Uh, And then the back half was a lot of flashbacks. A
0: lot of first half things were explained by the back half. By the back half.
1: Uh, And so a few of those that uh, were kind of interesting to see as far as like family dynamics, we get to look at how Zoid and Furnessi met. Um, And it was at a show with the surf band uh, that she ended up finding him and they got together.
2: And she was dropped off in that city by DL after Mm -hmm. they had like an argument of falling out.
1: Yes. And so I think it was it kind of played into the tragedy of their relationship because she kind of did it as a rebound because it was kind of hinted at that her and DL had a sexual relationship to some degree. Or an intimate relationship. Yeah. Um, And so it almost seemed like a rebound and kind of like played into things to come because uh, Zoid and Furnessi ultimately end up split. Uh, But we do see the beginning of of that. And we also see the birth of Prairie, uh, which was with Zoid and Furnessi, uh, which I thought was, I'll kind of get into this a little bit later, like a sweet moment to see how much Zoid cares about Prairie. Um, But it was interesting because Furnessi I was having a lot of uh, issues due to, like, postpartum depression uh, and also just her not being uh, as ready for this change in her life because she had been pretty um, involved in a lot of high-stakes things. I don't think motherhood was something that she was ready for at that particular instance. Uh, eventually, she leaves... And we're starting to piece things back together through these flashbacks. And at the end of the novel, the family gets back together. Big family reunion. So... It was
0: like a cookout or something. Yeah, it was just like (coughs) a weird...
1: But that's a... (laughs) So that's a decent place of where we're at summary-wise, I think. Yeah. So, with all of those, um, I wanted to get into a couple questions now that we got to flesh out some of these characters because as we had mentioned a lot of them were just from these things in the present or stories about other people or viewing them through film Uh, we started to get more deep dives into the backstory of a lot of characters and their motivations and one of the people I want to focus on here at the beginning is Frenessi so we had seen her involvement with the uh, 24 frames per second. We also see her involvement with Brock. We also see her involvement with Zoid. Uh, what are your thoughts on Frenessia as a character? Is she a moral character? Is she a good character? Like, what were your feelings on her overall once you started to get a little bit more into her backstory? Like, that. the, the main thing is the morality of it. Do you think she's, like, a good person?
0: I, she doesn't seem to <sighs> care about she doesn't seem to care about anything except Brock Vaughn's Bond. Dick. <laughs> yeah, no, really. And film. She yeah. She gets, like... She, she doesn't really... Like, she uh, was, like, totally within her, like, rights and her, like, reality to, like, really hate, like, motherhood at the beginning, but, like, after that, she kind of just, like, was... She was just, like, obsessed with Brock Vaughn, and then like also having sex with Brock (laughs) Vaughn. And like it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed like she didn't care about much else. I, yeah, she just,
2: there's never a moment in, like, she, she goes about killing or leading to the death of weed. Um, who was an innocent player for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, he fell into, like, a cult leadership position kind like, of. Like,
1: totally on accident. Yeah. yeah. He was but just kind of a good-looking guy. And- didn't
2: do anything, and she was a big part of why he got murdered, and she just never really reacted to that. Like, I just she doesn't seem to care about anyone really. She like kind of pretends that she cares about Prairie, but also then there are parts where she doesn't seem to care at all. Like she, because at the the first half of the novel, we get like kind of a flash of Fernesy thinking about like what does my daughter look like mm-hmm. now. Which would lead you to believe that she cares, but I don't think that she's a moral person. Yeah, and then, like, <laughs> the back know. half
0: is just kind of, like, Prairie just, like, searching for her mom and, like, for Nessie, like, not really caring at any, in any way to, like, have any kind of relationship with her.
2: Yeah. Because isn't there a conversation with Hector where Hector's like, we can get you back to Vineland and do this film or some, I don't know there's like a lot of things that yeah, hector, oh yeah yeah there's
1: the hector film which i forgot to mention in the summary that's the reason that everything starts to unravel because he has enough money to counteract the the money from the government essentially yeah.
2: but like he starts out that conversation by being like don't you want to see your daughter and she's like lukewarm on like, it well, I, I could she's like, <laughs> I, like yeah <laughs> and then he mentions a film and she's like oh
0: yeah, I don't Maybe. know. I don't know about morality, honestly. I think she's unlikable.
1: So no, there's no sympathi- like sympathetic characteristics to her? Because like, what about also, like, I know that she had mistakes in her past, and obviously the stuff with Prairie is pretty shitty. But what about with her relationship with Flash, who is her current husband? Mm-hmm. Like, that seems to, like, be a factor as well. Like, she's kind of out of this life. Like, is there any sympathy to her character at all? And I'm not saying yes or no, I'm just curious.
0: I think you could make the argument, like, in that respect of her, like, current family. Like, you could be, like, I don't know, with Flash and Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, she didn't seem particularly interested in her kid. Like, at the end, Prairie was the one interested in Justin. Yeah. Like, Prairie wanted to, like, hang out with him and was, like, playing with him and, like, put him to bed. And But also, like, I don't want to, like, say that Frenessi was, like a bad person because she didn't want to be a mom or wasn't interested in being a mom that's not
2: what i think makes her a bad person i just think she's a bad person just in in general like i think there are a lot of moments here where she is ambivalent yeah like even starting with the fbi it like she becomes a double agent she was initially just a part of this group and then brock very easily persuades her to become a double agent and then she like fucks people over like i just don't think she cares about anybody yeah. she yeah she seems also kind of easily
0: swayed like yeah. and it's just kind of like where are where's your like set of morals like yeah. where what are you what kind of compass are you following because it was super hard to follow her i feel like
2: yeah i don't think she cares about anything yeah
0: She's
1: yeah just there i just think it is interesting uh like the the part that I felt most sympathetic, obviously, was with the uh, postpartum depression with Prairie. Yeah. That was like a very low point for her, and it wasn't that you felt for because it was something essentially out of her control. It was just, uh, you know, a- as what happens, you know, it's just a chemical reaction. Uh, but the other thing is, is when you talk about Brock Vaughn and the easiness to persuade, and looking at the themes of the novel of like 80s. Uh, and the government versus, like, free-willed people in the 60s, Brock Vaughn does also explain his, like, predilection toward the easily manipulated, like, manipulated, Mm -hmm. and that she is a product of that time and of the demographic that he particularly specializes in. So that was the other part of it to me that, like, maybe it wasn't the best way to go about it as far as the storytelling to, like all lay it down to sexual desire but I think that that like kind of plays into her role in like the younger free willed crowd and it's obsession with like free love at the time and then Brock's ability to take advantage of people that are of that mindset in the first place so I think that like (laughs) there is some sympathy in that I don't think that it was like super well tackled in this instance as far as like the story goes but i find some sympathy in that because it does specifically talk ab- about you know brock's specialty in that area as an agent of the government
0: mm-hmm. and like being able to manipulate
1: of that particular yeah. group um but but uh, like i i totally agree with you guys as well there's a lot to n- not like about frenesi which is kind of an interesting thing to see it all build up to like finding her in the first place um because it, it does like end up where the you know, the family reunion a lot of that is about prairie. Yeah. Because a lot of people have access to each other anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanna move that in then to another character who uh showed up this time around, uh, Zoid. What are your feelings about Zoid now that it's come through? Do you think that he's a moral character? Um, you know, once you found out about what he had to deal with, especially in regard to your feelings on Fresnessified You know, Zoid is in the front lines of all of this where he, again, was caught up in this rebound with Frenessi. And to him, it probably seemed like a pretty good deal. He was just kind of schlubbing around playing music and this just kind of happened to him. So, like, how do you feel about Zoid now just with what you've learned about his past and then also in relation to your thoughts on Frenessi now?
2: I don't know. (laughs) I like Zoid better than Furnessi, but I... I found his character much more interesting at the beginning of the novel than I do at the end. And, like, I don't know why that is. Because I, I... He, like... They added layers to him. And he maybe should be more likable because he, like, tried to do what was best for his daughter when his wife Disappeared. Um, but I just was kind of bored with him. Like, the the sections
0: with Zoid, I didn't care about. Yeah, I feel like he seemed, um, like, he made a lot of moves with, like, Prairie. <clears throat> but then when it came to Furnessi, like, back around later when he's, like, talking to, uh, Flash about Furnessi, like... He just seemed a little bit pathetic like when it came to Frenessi kind of just like, well, it was all out of my hands. And like she just was going to do what she wanted to do. And I never really felt like he fought very hard, but like, I don't know. I feel sympathy toward him and also like uh, thought that he like his some of his redeeming characters, characteristics were like when he stepped up when it came to his daughter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so do you think that he is, like, a good dad also? That's that's the other thing of it because, you know, there's some uh, instances where I was conflicted on, like, how nice the moment was because Zoid has tendencies to do dumb hippie things. Like, he was tripping acid when his daughter was born, but at the same time, he, like, described the moment for himself and how it was, like, a life-changing thing he was like saying within that section, it's like one of those things I'll never forget. He said that it stayed with him for an extended period of time and then like tried to do well by uh, Prairie. But obviously still, uh, as we saw at the beginning of the book in the present day, hasn't really gotten things totally figured out. But Prairie also seems to be more with it than almost anybody else in the book, in my yeah. opinion. So, what does that say about Zoid in that instance? Because we really get into, especially when we start looking into the beginnings of Vineland and him being around for Prairie's birth, uh, that I think it reveals a lot about his ability, and you have to fill in some of the lines, but, like, with balancing out the dumb things that he's done and the decisions that he makes, would you consider him a good father?
0: I think, comparatively, he's a good father. (laughs) Like... I, I don't know. I just feel like he's a direct contrast to. Why are you looking at me like? I'm that? I'm not. I'm just. I'm curious. <laughs> I just feel like, in like in a direct contrast to the way that Fernesy like almost like rejects like Prairie, like he steps up like when he and like I mean he doesn't. I don't think he he automa- like he immediately wants to go. Uh, what is what happens when he takes Prairie? I can't remember.
2: That's like when, right? This is Hector offering him, yeah. the, like the mental illness. He doesn't set immediately to get him out of the that, way, right? To get him out of the way, but also to like know where he is, yeah. Like, right? He had to keep up with mm-hmm. those, like, cashing those checks so that everybody knew that he wasn't trying to like get Furnessi, right? Or was that? Old or Brock? I just wanted to keep tabs on? Yeah, him.
1: get involved with any other like any investigations? Person. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, He, did he immediately, like, he didn't, like, immediately take that offer, did he?
2: No. He just seemed really. They discussed
0: it for a while, but I
2: don't, I couldn't really, I don't know if there was a reason that he was, like,
0: questioning it. He just was like, I don't know. It seemed more like he was just questioning it because he was like, I I don't know what the good decision is for my kid, which, like, is what it felt like to me, which leads me to think that he was, like, a pretty decent dad considering the circumstances. I don't think his overall choices were great if you wanted to be a dad at some point in your life. Right. But I do think that, like, given the circumstances and his, like, wife, who's kind of like, fuck everything, like, he just... He eventually stepped up and yeah. like did like provided the minimum. Tries and
2: he cares. Like he mm-hmm. does care about Prairie. And we see that you know, it's multiple f- times. We yeah. see that in the first half of the book too, of like he doesn't like Prairie's boyfriend. And that's such like a protective dad thing to yeah do. Isaiah two four. Yeah, <laughs> which did Yeah. He comes back, he comes back, he came yeah. back at the yeah. family reunion. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't really learn what he's happens my favorite. No, I'm just, I'm just
1: I love Isaiah <laughs> two four. Take.
2: <laughs> I hate everybody. <laughs> uh,
1: well, okay. So, so this, is, this is a thing that I want to <laughs> get into uh, because I talked about instances where, like, tropes of Pinchon's writing can be found. Like, there are better instances of those tropes in other novels. And one thing that is definitely uh, one of those tropes is that Pinchon's characters are never really, like, that special overall. Like, even if they're the protagonist, they're never, like, that game-changing of a person for the most part because they're just experiencing life under the powers that be. Like, a lot of it is exploring, you know, a very particular instance of somebody being affected from the larger uh, order of things, and... So in some novels, like in Gravity's Rainbow, in the midst of World War II, where that's very prevalent because it's just a bunch of leaders that are like, we don't really give a fuck about you guys. Like, we're just doing what we need to do to, like, get power, get money, whatever else. Like, those instances were really powerful because all these people that are out in this war are just like, we just want to survive. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible because of the circumstances. And here... It was a little more interesting because, you know, it was exploring some like persecution from the government against like hippies. But it's not as important of an idea overall as it would be for like soldiers in World War Two. And so I think that that is part of what plays into this, because uh, like from what it sounds like, there wasn't a lot of favorite characters. Did you have somebody that you gravitated toward at all? in this novel.
0: I liked Prairie the best. Mm-hmm. I gravitated... I latched on to Prairie because I felt like she was like the one who had her shit together. Like, oh. she was the one that I could follow. I think she's honestly one of the only, like,
2: truly likable characters. Yeah. I... Th- I Zoid is fine, but there's a lot going on there. And I also... I just got bored with him more. I was just yeah. kind of like, whatever. But Prairie she just wants to meet her mom like she's just trying to live her life maybe i relate to her more because she's young Mm -hmm. i don't know
1: well and also a lot of her moments uh in the novel are more emotional because first of all she's there the most so i would say like even though zoid starts the novel and a lot of things online like first start with zoid like prairie is the main character yeah Because she's there the whole time. She's involved. Even during the flashback, she's the one that the story's getting told to or getting shown the film. Yeah. And so, like, that is at least one person. Like, there is somebody. Because it ends with her as well. I think that that's a very important thing, too, with all of the characters that are involved. Prairie's the last person. And her her dog. Mm -hmm. Which was nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was questionable there for a second. I just read the part about the tongues, and I was like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah.
1: But her dog comes. Yeah. That's that's sweet. Um, but, her dog. But like, that is something that I will say is that like that is a common thing. Uh, there are notable instances like Mason and Dixon. Those two are the main people, and they're like some of my favorite characters ever. Um, but I felt like this novel really suffered from that to a degree. That, you know, it's still playing into, you know, no one is that special because regardless you're getting screwed over by again the powers that be
0: I also felt like there were this is maybe controversial but I felt like there were so many characters that I was just like I don't even know like I know you know like the 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 like top tier decently important ones but I, they all felt like they were on the same level in terms of like character development Yeah, there's mm-hmm. like Prairie at the top and then there's like Zoid Franesse I don't even who else. Like Hector kind of I don't know. I feel like there are and DL and Takeshi. Like there are like levels of them, but I just never really I felt like there were so many levels with so many characters that I was just kind of like I don't know who I feel like I had to mentally place them on tiers so that I could organize them and figure out like who was important. Yeah.
1: And some of the other novels, too, that there there is also a hierarchy or more of an established hierarchy, especially in one of the bigger instances. And one of those characters shows up here, uh, Crying of Lot 49, uh, Mucho Mas is like a second tier character mm-hmm. in that he's the husband to the main character. He is in this. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. He was uh, like a record executive or something or other. Um, um, And it was like at the beginning when they he was when Zoid was getting into Vineland, uh, he talked to Mucho. And
0: oh, I'm. R- yeah, vaguely. Vaguely. And, yeah. And so
1: he talked about uh, and and it was enough of like his character development was um, fleshed out enough that those tie ins were very obvious in this story. So like it talks about his previous instance as like a radio DJ, which was the case and Crying of Lot 49 and a couple other things I don't want to get into too much for spoilers or whatever but like it was enough that it was recognizable mm-hmm. uh, where Mucho comes in and that was through like chapters of character development in right. the story where like there were people to latch on to mm-hmm. and so I, I kind of agree with that too that you know there wasn't as much of the hierarchy because we had like Prairie and then
0: yeah and then so many yeah, others. yeah.
1: Um, so getting into that idea then with the powers that be um, one of the main parts of the novel, a- aside from all of the characters, um, is this look at the juxtaposition of the 60s and the 80s, where it was like frequently mentioned. Uh, I have a few instances, or multiple instances of notes, where it continues to talk about in flashbacks in the past with Nixon's looming presence, and in the 80s with Ronald Reagan's looming presence, and how that kind of affects the lives of the characters in this case. Um, Did you think that, uh, you know, that that part was well done? Was there something to latch on to there? Because I think that a lot of the bulk of the novel is also focusing on that pretty deeply. And I think that a lot of the characters are just kind of stand-ins to explore this idea. Because to me, I don't think that it was as much based on the plot. It was just kind of like stand-ins of people to ruminate on the change that america had gone through and like what its various leaders uh actually you know do to the people of the country was that something that you had noticed latched on to like what are your thoughts on 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 that idea
2: i have comments on this in that i have no comments because i today i told brian that i watched Uh, another booktubers video about this book uh the book chemist and i read a review on like i don't washington post or something um of vineland and both of those reviews talk a lot about how this novel comments so much on the evolution of the 60s and how the dream of the countercultural movement doesn't follow through in the end and i I guess I understand where that's coming from but in the actual process of reading the book the style and the confusing way that the plot is laid out distracted me so much that I would not have ended this book and told you that it was about um like it that it was A commentary on how the counterculture of the sixties didn't last, like that. I would not have made that statement to you. Yeah, I agree with that. I like. I don't. I just think. I thought it was
1: super heavy-handed.
2: I think. Well, I think that genuinely, I can't read Pynchon's style. Like, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me and yeah. I like to think that I'm a pretty competent reader like I have an English yeah, degree. This
0: book made me think that I was I've read so many books and this book mm-hmm. made me just be like I don't fucking know anything about reading. Because
2: there are so there are so many moments in this book that I was like I would end a section and I understood what was going on, but I had I could not tell you any inkling of what the purpose of it was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Again, I'm a competent reader. I have an English degree. (laughs) I've read a lot of things. But, like, if we got into why the fuck thanatoids are ever mentioned yeah i'm not
0: about the thanatoids (laughs) i
2: had by the
0: fucking way
2: (laughs) i ruminated on that for so long i was like what is the point of weed atman coming back there's no purpose he doesn't
0: do anything is the point that he was killed and then that was pointless because he comes back is that the point it doesn't make any (laughs) sense
1: I, I can concede on the the Thanatoids as far as the commentary on the countercultural movement and its um, ultimate demise. I felt like that was incredibly heavy-handed. Like I, okay, even apart I like from the say, plot lines of it, like it mentions uh, either the years themselves or the leaders themselves I'm, frequently throughout every I know single that it chapter. Does.
2: I'm not saying I didn't like. I see it. Yeah. But I wouldn't. If I if I had no influence from anybody and I had read this whole book and they asked me what it was about, like what the purpose of it was, I would not have made that conclusion because it just seems like background noise to me.
0: Yeah, I I felt I felt the same way. I feel like um I I feel like every time he brought up like the administrations of the respective decades, I was just like I know there's a metaphor in here, but <laughs> I cannot parse out what it is. Like, I don't know, like, what he's trying to say in this particular instance about, like, this set of characters. And then he would flat out talk about, like, the, like, the, he would talk about the administrations, like, by name. And I, I don't know. I just, I felt like it was really hard for me to draw a connection. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. It just felt like background.
2: Like, here's what's happening in the world.
1: Well, I will say <laughs> that the influence of, like, seeing summaries where it like spells out that part of it was definitely helpful. And I think having read his other work and knowing how he generally tackles the subject matter that he does tackle. Cause like, there are a few instances of his novels. Uh, it probably could be argued that all of them are really dealing with like bigger metaphors at hand. And a lot of characters are stand in for like tropes of people. To get the point across. Um, But that's part of why in the discussion last episode when we were talking about like the vast number of characters that like to me I was saying it's unimportant at the time because I don't read these novels like that. I'm reading it for, you know, whatever message is getting across because ultimately the characters aren't important as you found out at the end of the novel. Like it's interesting to talk about now because we're at the end of it. And like, do you, you guys, do you guys you it? Like it said that the characters are important. And that's fine. Like I, am totally like cool with that opinion. I'm just saying, as far as like my enjoyment of the book, I was reading it on the level, like most of the notes that I have. And I did this a lot with some of the other books that I uh, read of his, like gravity's rainbow in particular, like would know some of the general themes that were going on and would make a note every single time. an inkling of that came up. And so I did the similar thing here that any time, uh, any of the mentions of the counterculture or the 60s or the 80s or reagan or nixon or anything else i would make a note in here and i thought that it became uh pretty interesting toward the end because it just kind of summed up the life of a lot of uh you know the people that were in violent at the at the end uh their eventual assimilation into the society of that time. Like, I thought that chapter in particular, I don't know if you guys recall, but like, it was in the midst of the violent flashbacks when a lot of them were just kind of like going about the monotony of their day, kind of miserable, but doing exactly what they needed to do to like keep things running. Uh, and it wasn't ideal situations for all of them anyway, because Zoid's essentially doing the same thing uh, to assimilate himself into society. He has a government contract to get money every single year. And he's doing what he needs to do to keep, you know, the status quo going, but he's not any better off for it. And neither are a lot of the other uh, members of Vineland at the end of this story. And so to me, like that was a big climax of the novel. Uh, you know the, the family reunion was to a degree I was a little bit more disappointed with that but like that kind of idea where the flashback and the present were kind of like morphing into one like that to me was a big part of the novel and like that was something that because I was focusing in on those other instances and making notes of those the whole time it made it a little bit more clear and so I think that like it definitely is more difficult especially if you are like a character focused reader that it would make this book unenjoyable. And like, I think that that's cool, but I think that that's an important distinction as well. Cause mm-hmm. we, like we kind of have different, uh, like <laughs> overall opinions on the <laughs> novel here at the end, I'd say. Um, but like, I, I enjoyed it pretty well. I'd say that it definitely is like a lower tier, um, book of his work. um, but I found it interesting overall and I think that that's like part of the reason why that like it plays back to that conversation we had last episode that like characters are unimportant because it's focusing on a broader idea.
0: I think that if, some, if you told me all of this now and I had never read it I would be like oh great I have things to like focus like I can focus on this yeah. when I'm reading it like I was so bogged down the whole time by like trying to figure out who the fuck Hector was or Blood or, v- who's the guy? Volt? V- I can't remember. What was his name? I don't know. Aunt Zippy? Z- there's a yeah. Zippy at There's point. a Sid something. There's a Ralph. It's so many. And I think that I would, I will probably not do this, but, like, I would <laughs> like to, <laughs> I feel like there's a need for me to, like, go back and read it again and yeah. just be like, okay, I have, like, a few things to latch on to. Yeah. And like I know what I can fo- like what I can focus on, what I don't have to focus on. Um, I've never read anything like this and like yeah. it definitely changed the way that I re- I have never had to focus so hard on a book in my whole life. Yeah. You know, well, on anything. That
1: is a common thing is a lot of people that read this stuff like like and to some degree I can see where people are like, Well, why would you even want to do that in the first place? But a lot of people are very adamant about like I loved a lot of the books. The second time around. Yeah. Which makes it difficult because a lot of his books are so Mm -hmm. extraordinarily long. But, like, I would feel that way that some of them I would, like, make my way through the whole thing and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I'd get to the end and, like, once I had all the information, I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, I get what he's talking about and then, like, have revisited those ideas, even listening to podcasts from uh like people that go through all of his books like Mm -hmm. there's a pinch on in public podcast shouts out to them Mm -hmm. um they go through like every chapter of every book they're still working through them um but like listening back to those episodes and hearing them discuss it because a lot of them it's their second time too it made it so much better for me some of those books i was like oh my god like that that's amazing like Mm -hmm. having known how it ends up it, it made me appreciate the book a lot more but i know a lot of people that'd be a waste of time because There are a lot of books in this world. Uh, You don't have a lot of time to necessarily reread everything. But in some instances, it might be more helpful. And in this case, it would be. Is this book worth revisiting to do so? Maybe not. But I see the value in doing so.
2: I think that if I were in a grad program for literature and I needed to write a paper on something in American literature... I could find value in this book, and I could write about it, mm-hmm. and I would sit down and I would analyze it. If I and like ra-
0: read it twice, yeah. or more, and I
2: I'm sure that I would like make all those connections and find them very interesting in a scholarly setting. Yeah, in a reading for fun setting, I f- was very disappointed.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and I think I like I've always said that. Characterization is my favorite part of yeah, novels. That's, that's like not, I love a good, well fleshed out character. I love it. I grasp onto it. Even if I hate them, if they are like just so well rounded and beautiful and three dimensional, I like eat that up. And I I didn't do that with anyone in this book. <laughs> and I think that's why I just got so bored. I was yeah. like, I don't care about any of your stories. Because nothing's happening, I don't understand why things are happening.
0: Yeah, and like I didn't care about any of the side stories. there were so many and I didn't care about any of them in the second half because I I cared about them because I needed to know what was going on for this podcast. but like I didn't I didn't I wasn't invested in any of the stories except for, uh, the times when it was directly related to Prairie and I was like oh shit okay like, like I, I know that name. Sh- this, she's a baby <laughs> I know this name I can figure out what's happening and but I like I never I, I ended up not being invested in any of those stories because uh, I I it was there was just so much going on and I didn't have any it was the second half of the book and I didn't have any characters to latch onto yeah. um, or or I feel like maybe this is just I don't know. I I also... Maybe this is a stretch, but like I didn't feel like I had that many themes to latch onto either by the second. Except for for Nessie liking to have sex with Brock Bond.
2: I feel like there were so many moments where I was almost very interested and almost to a point where I was like, oh, I see an overarching theme and this is good. Like the part with... Talking about like the actual college days when like Franessi gets mm-hmm. into the FBI and is doing it, like that was in that whole section was interesting to me. And then it moved on and started talking about Thanatoids, and I was like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? Like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't understand how it's adding to the overall like arch of mm-hmm. the story. Um, I also, this is somewhat unrelated, but I, when I, it's, I said I read a review uh it was from the guardian today and one of the early paragraphs i took a picture of because i was like yep that's what's happening here uh and it says he the the reviewer is talking about how he reread vineland and had thoughts on it or whatever but the first time he read vineland i was an inquisitive male postgraduate in my early 20s a classic potential pension reader and i was like yep that sounds right and i'm not that (laughs) and
0: i don't care i was intrigued enough to read another one of his books but it will probably be a while before i do it
2: yeah i'll probably read crying of lot 49 eventually and i will approach it differently
0: yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I will approach it much differently like maybe when I have time to hold myself up in a room and, like, write a paper on it.
1: It still is pretty thick, I'll just say that, like, as far as density of the text. As you've seen here, like, he can fill 100 pages with something that with is... one sentence. Uh, so it, it can be difficult, so I will just say that. But I, I like crying about 49 quite a bit. But regardless, uh, as we're moving into the end here, um, we had some negativity, uh, a lot of negativity, which is <laughs> fair. I, I kind of expected it, uh, to be honest. But um, can you think of any like, good moments to latch on to? Were there any favorite moments that you had uh, with the book overall or with the back half? Was there something um, that was a little bit more positive about the style, maybe, because it was so new? Like, was there anything? And if not, that's cool, too, but I'm just curious.
2: Well, I already said I liked I liked the section about Frenessi's college days or whatever when they're uh, doing... PR3 PR3 was tough. Um I like I thought that part was interesting um and I understood it.
0: Um <laughs> I feel like my threshold is also I understood it. <laughs> and therefore I liked it. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: there were like there are parts also I there are parts from the first half that I enjoyed a lot and I thought they were going to be fleshed out in different ways mm-hmm. and now looking back I don't enjoy them as much because I didn't feel any closure on them like I liked Zoid's uh arc in the first half and I liked like the weird kind of science fiction stuff but again I it the science fiction stuff was never explained well enough for me to like feel satisfied at the end um like, the weird, like, there's a spaceship
0: and aliens, maybe. If you're going to never... put that in there, you better tell me at least one sentence about why it's there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to know. Like, like just imply it somewhere.
2: So, I enjoyed reading that
0: section, but then at the end, I felt disappointed. That's fair. I liked, um, whenever we, we went back to Prairie watching the film, um... I felt like again I could like kind of latch onto that but like I I enjoyed the kind of weird DL Takeshi situation. Yeah. I liked them.
1: Yeah, they had closure. They'd, they started enjoying each other. They did sexually. Hey.
0: <laughs> they did start enjoying each other after a no sex pact. And I but like they enjoyed each other without sex first. Yeah. And but yeah, that's no, why it was good closure. Yeah, I mean, I liked them a lot, and I liked them with Prairie too. I felt like they kind of took her under their wings mm-hmm. a little bit, and I and, I she, ne- and she needed it. And she needed it. Well, that I was liked a, sweet, DL a lot. That was At a sweet DL moment. A character I did like.
1: Well, that was one of the things when they were driving around. There were a couple, like there were a lot of instances where coming out of those flashbacks with all of them, like I liked the way that we were brought back into the reality. Like he found different ways. Of doing it but one of the sweet ones was when she was in the car with the two of them mm-hmm. and she was like like if only this were like my family like I, it would be nice if this was just something that we were all like reminiscing on like old memories and that we were just heading to the beach but then she's like but in all actuality we were still looking for my mom like it was stuff like that that was nice because she did get a bond with Dl and Takeshi
0: yeah I liked um, their little trio I was a fan Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, For me, I like um, some of the cheesy wordplay that goes on uh, every once in a while. I think I marked my favorite one uh, down here. It was about when DL was um, picking a lock. And it said that she did it so elegantly that you couldn't say jimmied. She more like James the side door. lock. I
0: loved that. <laughs> I remember I folded. I dog that page because I loved it. I thought
2: that
1: was so funny. Uh, and it's just different things like that. And like one of the other ones, just um, like a random thing. And like sometimes it can get cheesy, but I like it because a lot of times like he'll get pretty serious and so to like have these interjections where like it's just a dumb metaphor or something I liked. And so in one of the instances when uh, Prairie had just gotten done watching one of the films of her mother, it said Prairie re-entering non-movie space felt like the basketball after a Lakers game, alive, mm-hmm. resilient, still pressurized with spirit, yet with a distinct memory of having been for a few hours expertly bounced. Like it's just things like that that I just Expertly like I just think it's funny uh, for him to like throw things like that in, especially with like more modern references, and there was a lot of Star Trek um, that was tied in as well. There was like multiple instances of like Star Trek parody or different things like that. And then I also liked the brief um, flashback within a flashback of Frenesssi's parents. When they were going back to when they were younger and they were talking about their instances of being the counterculture with some of the parallels there where they were talking about like I believe they were talking about some of their instances of being pissed off about the Japanese uh, internment camps or the detention camps. uh (laughs) Um, And so that was like the political battle of their day again like re-highlighting. Um, the struggle of like the counterculture versus the establishment uh, and then also talking about like some of the music they were listening to they're like old hit music like Miles and Dizzy and Bird Uh, and so there are parallels like that and I think that it kind of gave a cyclical nature to the story as well because it seems as though Prairie's going to be like maybe the next instance of like carrying that on a little bit of like you know all of the 60s children have had their day and it's time for like Prairie to be the next step of that I think she's found good characteristics of everybody which is why I liked her character resolution that she was somebody that was like enjoyable because it felt like she learned from like the mistakes of her past but is taking like the fighting spirit forward and is going to be like that influence for the next generation as they buckle down for what their political struggle of the day is and in this case uh it's Ronald Reagan So uh, I thought that those were all kind of things that I enjoyed about the story. And with that, I think we're uh, running toward the end here. And so we kind of talked about it already. But uh, as far as final thoughts, uh, we'll just make this pretty brief. But did you like the first half or the second half more? Um, Did you think that it got better over time or whatever else? What did you read another pinch on? uh, Under what circumstances? And then any other quick thoughts?
2: I think I liked the first half better. Um, because I would have written the second half differently to give myself closure. Um, I will probably read another Pynchian novel because there's 20 of them in my house. (laughs) Um, and Brian likes them and I like Brian, so I'll try. (laughs) Um... But I probably wouldn't recommend this book to any of my friends.
0: Nice. I think I liked the second half better. Um, I felt like I had a little more. I feel like there were at least references back to the first half, which I could grasp. Um, and um, I did, yeah, like I said, I, I liked Prairie and Deal and Takashi together. I thought that was nice. Um, I will read another Thomas Pinchon, but I don't know which one. Um It'll probably be a little while. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily... I, I don't think I would not recommend this book. I just feel like you have to be very, like, specifically interested in Thomas Pinchon yeah. in order to read mm-hmm. this book. I would agree that. If with I meet that. somebody like Brian <laughs> who likes
2: to be confused...
0: Like, I would recommend this to maybe, what, Corey... Oh, I don't think oh, Cory would, would like hate it. 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 No, he'd hate it. He I feel like it. he likes confusing oh, no, stuff. No, he, he, would doesn't. Hate it. he doesn't. No, he'd hate it. He'd hate it. Oh god, okay. Do not recommend. I will it. not. I, Corey, <laughs> don't listen to this part. Yeah. Um, Corey's
1: already uh, read other things on my recommendation that didn't go well, so.
2: Yeah, no, Corey would hate it. But I
1: respect him for doing it. He did it. He chose like long ones. He wrote. Like, he
2: read
0: Infinite Jest and hated it. But he, uh, but he if finished I had, it. If I had but known finished that, it. I mean, I would do that. I finish books I hate. But, like, I feel I'm impressed. If I had known that he read Into an Infinite Jest and didn't like it, then I wouldn't have recommended this book to him. So you I'm taking don't it all back. Know our I clearly don't know him because I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that I would uh, discourage anybody from reading this, but I kind of would just. I mean.
2: But if somebody asked me, like, oh, what's a good book you've read recently? I This isn't going to come up.
0: No. I would be like, That's if, what you, I mean more, if you enjoy like, being know, confused for 400 pages, this is the book for you. At
1: work, people keep being like, what book are you doing on the podcast? And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to tell you because you won't like it. Yeah, <laughs> you will not understand. I, like, like, I kept trying to, like, play it down and be like, but I'm teaching Dubliners. <laughs> You'll like that one. Uh, so... Yeah, that's cool. I, I respect uh, all of that, and for me, I like the second half better. Um, I would not recommend this right away to people. I think that this is definitely like you've read other Pinchon novels. Uh, if you like Pinchon stuff, I think you'd like it. Um, and I think like a little bit of extra research into the themes would help. Obviously, from what we've said, it, like, it may help to center your mind around like a lack of characterization and a focus on uh ideas and philosophy and different things like that. Um so no I wouldn't recommend this um to any immediate readers. This would not be a good first pinch on novel. But I'm glad we did it, guys.
2: I'm yeah, no I'm, I'm glad proud to, to have, have read it. it. I think the
1: discussions for both, like having this like dissension was helpful. Like I think it fostered good discussion.
2: We should always read books that we hate. That Well somebody
1: has to like it Like one person has to like it Agreed We can never do a podcast
0: Unless one person likes I mean Jamie that. and I were talking about this this weekend Like I appreciate things like school And like classes Like school no, that, that make me <laughs> Like education school? I wasn't done <laughs> That make me read things that I wouldn't normally read Yeah I, pos- I don't think I ever would have picked up a Thomas Pinchon book Had it not been for this podcast. Boom. Uh, And that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, at least we can definitively say that we are closing this chapter of the podcast. Jamie's hyped as fuck. Um, So, yeah, we are done with Vineland, which is exciting. We've been kind of sitting on this one for a minute. Uh, because of the long delay but next week we will be joined by uh, a new guest
2: yes
0: first time on the show esteemed colleague
1: (laughs) esteemed colleague and we will be doing jamie's novel which is
2: the underground railroad by colson whitehead
1: so that'll be pretty cool i'm excited for that that was uh same man booker um nominating class or nomination class or whatever as lincoln and the bardo mm-hmm. so that'll be cool to kind of uh
2: colson whitehead whitehead just published a new novel yeah i
1: did see that that's cool awesome. so we'll uh be getting that clout from colson whitehead clout. baby clout. um and then I've after already that
0: colson whitehead
1: uh after that we'll be doing danny's novel which is
0: northwest by Zadie smith
1: Nice. And then, uh, so that'll be two episodes of that. And then we will have a season finale. I'm going to start getting you guys the questions we're going to do for that early so you can think about it ahead of time. I'll just get a quick outline.
0: Okay.
1: Because uh, we're going to get deep. We're going to get deep into every aspect. We're going to rate every aspect of every podcast.
0: All right. We uh, better start
2: now. We're going to rate
1: scats. The, we're going to rate beers. Books, we're going to rate gonna say, books. Uh, spoiler alerts right
2: now. Vineland's at the bottom. Of it. Oh, we're not
1: done though. We're not done though, baby.
2: Spo- I, it doesn't matter what else we reach. Oh,
1: we'll see. <laughs> I've heard uh, Northwest pretty shit, and no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Rude. I'm kidding. We are judging I'm, so I'm hard. Kidding, I'm kidding. Um. So yeah, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, give us another shot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> try again. Listen to another try hour again of this next time. <laughs> Invest another hour of your time in us.
1: <laughs> uh, two hours, maybe, at this point. This is part two. So we, we apologize if we've gone to that point. So, um, anyway, we will uh, catch you next time. Who wants to scat us out?
2: A zoobity doop, a zoop doop, a zoid is a loser, a zoobity doop. Oh,
1: this <laughs> at the end. We'll catch you next time.